Hey everyone, before we begin today's show, we just wanted to remind you that Dr. Ben's new book, Designed to Heal, is out and available for purchase. To book Dr. Ben for speaking engagements or to purchase the book, visit drbenrall.com. That's D-R-B-E-N-R-A-L-L.com. Now, Designed to Heal. I'm Dr. Ben Rall. Do you know where the most amazing doctor lives? You may be surprised to learn that it's actually right inside of you. Yet, today's healthcare model is built on a foundation that the greatest doctor instead comes in the form of pills, potions, lotions, even surgery. So listen in, because what if the majority of what you have been told about health and healing is not only wrong, but actually harmful to you? One thing is for sure, when you work with your body and not against it, you'll begin to discover that you are in fact designed to heal. Welcome back to the Design to Heal podcast. I am just your average Jeff here with Dr. Ben Rawl. And uh, buddy, we have a guest on the line today. I know you're super excited and uh, it's going to be a good day. So what do we got going on? And uh, let's get to it. I am super excited and I, I do not want to waste much time because this... Um, he shouldn't be as rare as he is, and I think there's many doctors that do feel like he feels, but not many are brave enough to speak out. Mm. And so when they are, they're like my heroes. Um, we have some mutual friends. I've been following his work. Um, he's unafraid, but here's why I love him and I love his work is it's f- it's not for just rah-rah and shock value. It's for the people. It's for the patient. So they know the truth. They have informed consent. They know what the decision that they're making and what that means. But he is in, Dr. Roger McFillin, he is in, some of you, many of you probably know him. He's got an awesome podcast, the Radically Genuine Podcast. He's kind of blowing up, if I can use those words, right? He's um, he's speaking out, speaking up, does a great job of articulating complicated issues, evidence, science-based guy. He's a clinical, he has a doctorate, uh, clinical psychologist, If correct me if I'm saying anything wrong here, Doc. But we're going to dive in. Welcome to our show. We really are excited. I know this episode is going to be a blessing. Doc, I don't say this as an exaggeration. I know you don't love this, but there's going to be people that's lives will be changed because of the information they're going to hear, right? Because they're just it's just a, a place that they're not going to maybe hear it often. So thank you for being on the show. Please tell us a little bit about you, your background, and then we're going to dive in. Well, fellas, thanks for having me. I don't know if I can beat that introduction, so maybe I should just stop right here. Uh, my name is Dr. My name is Dr. Roger McPhillan. I'm a clinical psychologist. I'm executive director of a, a large center here in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I also do a, a lot of additional work. I, many people know me from my online presence. I've uh, been quite open and provocative around my field in clinical psychology and mental health, in particular, the harms of psychiatric diagnoses, psychiatric drugs, and uh, a lot of what we're pushing out there as evidence-based medicine, when in, in, in truth, it's, it's really uh, a, a lot of fraudulent data research that is influencing how we don't think about our own lives. The, I'm fully against the medicalization of the human experience, and I've been kind of uh, unabashedly kind of provocative in my online presence, br- trying to bring attention to issues. As as you said, on behalf of what has now amounts to a large global community of harmed patients. Yeah. And I think there is a, there's an awakening that's occurring post COVID most certainly mm-hmm. where we see that uh, a lot of the information that's sold to us is not in our best interest from a perspective of our own, our own health, our own quality of our own lives and the way that we, we treat each other. So I've started uh, 
a podcast, Radically Genuine. We've been really blessed to have some great guests and to really kind of take off in a, in a lot of ways where we've been on the Apple charts recently. I think as I sit here, you know, we were in the top 10 for mental health this week. We were in the top 25 for health and fitness. So proud of the growth of the Radically Genuine podcast. I also have a Substack, Dr. Uh, Dr. McPhillin at Substack.com, where I'm really trying to provide information that allows people to make informed healthcare decisions around mental health. Yeah. That includes providing, you know, research summaries as well as just discussing, you know, historically about how people have have learned to, you know, cope with the challenges of living and create a life of of purpose. And I know this is a faith-based podcast, you know, a lot of people who are listening have a, a strong connection to a higher power and a, a strong connection to God and understand the limitations of uh, the physical body and in our times here. So there's a lot of courageous people who want to live free yeah. and want to not really just fall in line with what, what amounts to be kind of corporate propaganda around health. So I'm speaking out against those, those things. And on the side, I also do a lot of consultation. I've thrown myself into the, the literature on psychiatric drugs for the past couple decades. And so I'm aware of how the drugs came to market, the harms they create and trying to give people information. Doc, I just got to ask you because that kind of intro, you know, sparks a million questions of curiosity here. What was the foray into this? I mean, you're you're definitely a rarity in your field. Most of the people I would say in your field, at least from an outsider's perspective, kind of swim in the usual streams and everything. And here you are, you know, just thinking, obviously thinking a lot deeper and really asking some big questions. And that's led you to a kind of a crazy journey. Where, where did it all begin? Well, first, I'm going to have to say that I have a personality that's always cha challenged authority. And I wasn't the type of person in school, whether I was in high school or college or my doctoral program that just accepted things at face value. So I always knew that was part of my personality. I, I don't accept things just because somebody tells me them to be truth. And I like to do a lot of investigative research. I kind of feel I could have went in many different directions in my in my life, but I was, I'm called to a certain path. And I think it started after I graduated undergrad, I started working at a children's psychiatric hospital. Children's psychiatric hospital was my first experience into how we treated uh, young people in particular who had mental health problems. They were ages five to 10 years old. I was 22 years old at the time. And most of those kids, as you would expect, who were in a psychiatric hospital were quite aggressive. Many came from abusive backgrounds. They were experiencing the after effects of physical or sexual trauma. Some of them came from violent backgrounds in very difficult economic circumstances. And so I was seeing how the medical system was identifying and treating young kids. And to be honest, I still get emotional today thinking about it. It's imprinted in my memory, putting kids on multiple psychiatric drugs in an experimental fashion inducing various forms of sedation and seeing them deteriorate. And so even if dating back to that time, you know, I realized that, that I, I wanted to take a career path where I could make a difference. I felt an extreme amount of empathy for people who, who were suffering. I wanted to know how to help people. And so I, I started on a path of getting a master's degree in counseling. I worked in juvenile justice system. Uh, I, you know, I worked with specialized mental health units units. Uh, in order to get my doctor at a young family at the time, I worked multiple jobs, often going into the homes of people in the 
in the welfare system and 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 just seeing like the the effects of of poverty and uh, abuse and just how people who came into the the medical and mental health system were identified and treated and I knew I had to do something to make a difference. I, I I spent probably about six or seven years combing through scientific literature on just the the mechanisms of action of various psychiatric drugs and how they came to market and trying to understand safety and efficacy. Because throughout my career, even prior to being a psychologist, all I was seeing was people deteriorating, their health deteriorating, they were becoming disabled. On, on these drugs. And it was just a matter of course in which they were prescribed. And I had a very difficult time understanding how people who chose this line of work could just turn a blind eye to people's health and mental health really deteriorating to the extent that I saw. And, um, yeah. you know, it, it allowed me to go for kind of like a deep dive into trying to maybe understand human nature, learn about therapies that work and really do some deep work myself to determine, you know, who, who do I want to be as a professional? And it started when I opened this practice here, we started creating a lot of um, kind of position statements on psychiatric drugs because we were seeing the explosion of them. And as I sit here today, we continue to see an explosion in the amount of prescription drugs provided to even younger and younger populations that are outside any bounds of safety or efficacy and people just assume because the FDA approved them or they're being prescribed by physicians that they must be helpful and they must be medicinal and they should be a necessary part of any type of treatment plan when the exact opposite occurs. I mean, if you look into the, the data, it's very difficult to determine them ever outperforming placebo. There's fraud. There is ghostwriting in the trials. And so I had all this information at my disposal. And I had to, I had to make a decision on how I was going to use that information to try to uh, get this out to the people to make better informed healthcare decisions and just to be aware of what I know. And so I decided around the COVID era to just say, I'm, I'm going to just start a, a Twitter account and yeah. I'm going to put this information out there. I'm going to start a podcast. You know, doc, so I'm going to, I'm going to take this a couple of different directions. Number one, you, you, Unfortunately, you are rare. You know, I don't I don't like um cuz I feel like I'm similar just when I read your approach and I read I listen to you and I'm like, you know, but I'm I'm not just a contrarian for contrarian's sake. I think there's a value for that in yeah. general, right? Just because iron sharpens iron, but but so much of it is just flat out fraud, lies, um just opposite opposite day right one plus one is three even from the label of something being called an antidepressant or something being called an anti-anxiety pill or add adhd medications these kind of things and i know and now i know that we're going to trigger some people in this podcast and i'm okay with that but i heard you say on one i was listening to but just make sure you listen to the whole podcast this isn't that we are denying people's struggles we're not denying human suffering that would be no, nothing that would be like somebody coming to my office with a migraine headache and i said oh i don't believe you have a migraine no i believe you have a migraine but i don't believe it's a deficiency in imitrex why you have that and so we're going to look at cause now mental health gets even and i put air quotes even on mental health it gets a little complicated because there's not as many there's not biological markers for this there's not the typical things but even that i would warn people on and the reason i say this and I, you correct me anything i overstep here doc 
because here's my here's a little bit of my concern. They're going to keep looking, and they've lied about this before, and they will start to try to make up. There are biological markers. I can see the day where they start to say, oh, hey, we finally found it, right? And then they're going to really lock onto the dope. So this idea of having this human experience that's okay to struggle. It's okay to go through things and these episodes that we have. And and again, this is your area of expertise, but I have no problem. And I would love for you to get on your soapbox a little bit, Doc, and kind of rail on this a little bit, okay? Because I think there's people listening to this that have been lied to, and nobody likes to get lied to. And they got lied to maybe in good faith, maybe unknowing. I don't know. I don't even care anymore. I'm kind of like you. It's like when the COVID thing happens, like, man, the gloves are off. There's people being lied to, not getting informed consent. And because of that, they're suffering. To me, and this is the last thing I'll say, and then just please just go for this. It's like if I was really tired, and forgive the oversimplified example here, I was really tired, so I started snorting some cocaine, right, as a little pick-me-up. And I said, I'd say, Dr. Roger, man, I have to tell you, I have had the best day ever. I got everything done. I cleaned the house. I washed the car. I did the laundry. I made dinner. This cocaine thing is awesome. Now, I don't think anybody listening to this would say, I think we found the cure for fatigue, right? It's a, a, little, a little snort and you're good to go. Or put it in a pill and pop it in your mouth. Now, some people say, oh, but Dr. Ben, you, you're just being extreme. You're being ridiculous. That's not really what it is. Um, matter of fact, it's probably more accurate than not. And again, I'm not putting words in your mouth. But when I see this and I see good, well-intentioned people that are struggling go down a system that does not have their best interest in mind, I get angry. I get, I get fighting mad. You stay calm. It seems like you're like a chill guy, uh, which is great for delivery. But will you talk us through the depression meds, antidepressant, you know, anxiety meds, uh, maybe ADHD, that whole system? Because to me, it's kind of all the same. Sure. And just go at it. Let us know kind of how a new way of thinking about this. Yeah, well, let's first identify the scam. And I hate to put it that way, but the American people and many people in the Western world have been scammed. And it is a marketing machine. The pharmaceutical industry is an absolute marketing machine. Let's accept a couple of things to be true. You mentioned it earlier that yes, we suffer in this world. People will go through depressive episodes. It's pretty, it's almost impossible for you to go through a life without going through what we define currently as a depressive episode, which is like two weeks of not feeling your best and feeling sad and having some thoughts. It's almost like impossible to not sure. experience that. So the scam here is that they know that there's going to be a percentage of people that are going to go through difficult times. You're going to be anxious. You might have difficulty concentrating. You're going to have low mood. And if your lifestyle is poor, these things can become chronic. As many you know, Americans can attest to, the way we live our lives, our physical health is quite poor. And therefore, our mental health is going to be quite poor. Here's the scam identifying it to be something that's outside of your control, that there's a genetic abnormality, that you have a chemical imbalance in your brain and we have a drug to, 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 uh, to alter that, to actually improve your mood, as if there is a, a happy pill that exists or you know, an antidepressant pill. It's, it's a scam, so the marketing departments know how powerful language is. Right. If I can tell you that I have a pill that is antidepressant, sure. we know that there's going to be a percentage of people who are going to get better just from that. Mm. And that's the that's the value of the placebo response, the mind-body connection. It's quite mysterious in a lot of ways. We haven't even begun to really tap that's into amazing, it. That's amazing, frankly. But in yeah. 
it, it is it is amazing. We should be yeah. trying to devote our research to being able to harness the the placebo effect to be able to really heal. But anyway, in these trials, they know that um, by giving a placebo drug and calling it antidepressants, somewhere between 40 to 60% of people will show improvement. And that's significant. And the challenge for the drug companies was that they were never really able to distinguish the drug, the antidepressant, the SSRI, and this, this kind of same playbook gets extended to a lot of psychiatric drugs yeah. from the placebo. So what they do is they keep the, they keep the, um, the trials very short term, right? Like six to 12 weeks at most, most of them are six to eight weeks. So a lot of people, you know, get better in a six to eight week period of time by natural course anyway. And the way you can begin to distinguish the, a drug group from a placebo group is a couple of things around you know, statistical gymnastics. You create a checklist, right? And the psychoactive substance, the SSRI, creates things like emotional numbness or other things. And then, you know, on that on that checklist, if you view emotions as a symptom, then you can try to get a little bit of a difference between the drug group and the placebo group. And then you push it out. You push this idea out to the American public through direct-to-consumer advertising. We're one of two countries in the world who have direct-to-consumer advertising. And it's not just the commercials. I know we're all bombarded with yeah. the commercials, but... If you grew up in the 90s, uh, you you would see the chemical imbalance idea pushed not only in commercials, but also on major American television. Mm -hmm. They would buy spots into movies and television shows and in major news networks. And they're talking about your mental health and the drugs to treat them. It's similar for insulin, for diabetes. So it's a mass conditioning. So since everyone's going to experience hardship, everyone's going to experience difficult times and anxiety. Now they're getting everybody to bring their attention inward and to think about their own experiences if something is wrong with them. That in itself will intensify yeah. and exacerbate your own emotional struggles. And then you put a lot of people on drugs, you tell them it's non-habit forming, mm. right? And we know now the drugs create dependence right away, serious dependence. So when you stop taking the drug, you're experiencing horrible withdrawal, enough withdrawal that you'd want to kill yourself. Now, this is all part of the scam. So then when someone stops taking the drug, the doctors tell them their depression is returning, their mental illness is returning. And this is how you create drug dependence. This is how you create customers for life and a culture of deteriorating mental and physical well-being. And what you do is you keep all the adverse effects outside of the mainstream. You don't tell the doctors. You tell them it's rare. You work with the FDA. You fund the FDA. You might have 16 trials and only 13 of, the, 13 of them showed no effect at all. You only published the three that did. Yeah. So you're keeping out the totality of the science. And so and what you see is you go from 1% to 2% of the population dealing with mental illness at any one given time, and now you have 20% of the population on psychiatric drugs, all in about three decades. So, Doc, okay, yes. And this is, and, you know, I, I look at this, and sometimes I, you know, people will even say this about other, other drugs or other, you know, interventions. And I think there's a lot of these that, that and people say, hey, we should at least have the right. And I'm a, I'm a medical freedom guy, so I, I somewhat I agree with that. But to your point, when, when, when 13 out of the 16 studies didn't even like it's many of these shouldn't even be on the market 
They just flat out shouldn't even be available to even say, hey, anymore. I think I heard you say this one time, like we wouldn't we wouldn't tell our little kids, hey, you should dump a bunch of caffeine on kids because, you know, we know it can affect their, their brain. You wouldn't do that. But we'll give them an amphetamine in the form of a Ritalin or a Concerta or something like this and, and, and act like that's no big deal. Right. And we because it's in the form of a pill and it was on my insurance card and I went to the pharmacy and got it. And so I get frustrated because, to your point, I think this this cultural authority of pharma or, or a, a doctor, right, or a drug or an FDA, it gives this cultural, like oh, like you said earlier, I think, well, it must be fine or else they wouldn't approve it. But I'm telling you, if we've learned anything over the last few years, that's not how this thing operates. And you've got to be on your toes. You've got to be, you've got to almost, unfortunately, you have to come in as a skeptic. You have to come in and, and almost assume guilt before, right? Assume ineffectiveness before effectiveness. So what 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 do you say to that? We've, we've handed blind trust over to the medical authority. Let me just repeat some facts here yeah, yeah. for your listening audience. And I understand that many of this can appear to be shocking. Yeah. As we stand here today, one, one month ago, the FDA approved the drug Lexapro and SSRI for as young as age seven for anxiety. Okay. Now, as you know, feeling anxiety is quite normal. You're always going to get a percentage of kids whose temperament is a bit shy they're going to have some developmental challenges to have to overcome their own shyness and face their fears. Quite normal. I'm not going to call it a symptom of an illness, but they approved the drug for anxiety as young as seven. Here's a fact. When they did the placebo controlled trial, the drug group had a six fold increase in suicidal behavior compared to the placebo six fold, six fold. This, this drug was approved when three out of the four outcome measures didn't even demonstrate a statistical significance between the drug and the placebo group, three out of four had this paper run by some statisticians in the, um, in Europe. And one gentleman who is an academic and statistician came to the conclusion based on the statistics in the paper, one paper that, if a young person, a, a child or a teenager takes the drug Lexapro for anxiety, they are more likely to become suicidal than have any meaningful reduction in anxiety. Do you know what the conclusions were from the authors in that paper? Lexapro is safe and tolerable for the treatment of anxiety in youth. They lie. They lie. So we already know that there is what's called publication bias. Right. You don't publish a paper unless it's proven to be uh, positive towards your drug. And there's a file drawer effect. If the trial didn't work, they just pop it away. So you already don't have the totality of the science. But John Ioannidis, who's a, um, yeah. a researcher out of Stanford, if I'm pronouncing his last name correct. Yeah, I know I always struggle with the name too. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Um, you know, in the review of his data around 50% of the published research, the conclusions don't even fit the data. So doctors are in this assumption that there is best available evidence. They're working under uh, an illusion yeah. that these drugs are a safe and effective. And they're communicating to their patients that it wouldn't have been approved by the FDA unless it was safe and effective. You cannot trust the FDA. Do not trust that the government has your best interest. They are pushing these drugs to market. I just had Kim Wizak on my podcast. I've had her back yeah. last September. And I have another episode coming out shortly. 
I mean, she's on the FDA advisory committee as a consumer representative. She'll tell you firsthand that they are pushing drugs to market who don't even meet minimum standards of safety and efficacy. You know, we see that with the COVID vaccine. Sure. Um, you know, they push medical recommendations that can be that can be and are harmful to our health. Now, the medical establishment is trained under this. You go to medical school and you are mass conditioned by the influence of the pharmaceutical industry. That's why they've lost trust. I can't even send my my patients yeah. to allopathic medicine doctors anymore. Yeah, they just want to give another drug. When I just want some tests or try to identify yeah, yeah. some underlying causes or factors, it's nearly impossible at this point. Doc, the quality doc, of our health care is so poor. I, I got a question for you, Doc. I mean, just to the point of what you well, two things. But the, the, the first thing is the point that you just made. I mean, these these guys that are going to med school, are you essentially telling us? I mean, I, I, I don't you know, I'm not surprised, but I just want I want to make sure this is on there. Are you telling us that essentially that the doctor goes to med school and is basically taught Trust the FDA. They're your they're your information for whether or not these drugs or whatever. Like no critical thinking, no read the study for yourself, none of that. Like if the FDA says it's good, it's good. I mean, is that that's what's happening now in 2023? Yeah. So so it's interesting. I hate I hate to like paint with a, a broad brush here. I think in the in our healthcare system, you know, you have broken bones. You know, hmm. go to the ER. They'll they'll patch you back up and they'll try to fix you. You know, but like my my son had a is a wrestler had a knee injury. I think they do a pretty good job with the orthopedics, but as far as emergency medicine, as far as in our, in our country about being able to understand health and restore health, we're horrible. Hmm. Our outcomes are horrible. And I have had other physicians onto my podcast. I've talked to physicians privately and a lot of them are, are going to agree with with us on this. Not all of them. I mean, there are some that are just blinded and yeah. dumb who are just repeating the messages over and over again, and there's and there's no getting through to them. And I did a deep dive on my Substack on this about, um, you know, how we're training physicians. Some physicians, you know, nowadays have grown up in a system where they there, there's two factors. I think I think there's deference to authority because they've done really really well in school high school, college, you know, they've learned how to play the game, wrote memory skills and deference to authority. And so you go into the, the medical care system and you're, you know, you're basically following guidelines. Let's face it. Our medical system in primary care, you're not critically thinking. Yeah. If you, if you do and you act outside their established guidelines, you are putting your license at risk. Yep. And that's the problem here. Um, there are many pediatricians, so they're funded by, or the, the, a lot of the guidelines are developed by major medical organizations. One of them is the you know, American Medical Association or the American Academy of Pediatrics. So I did a complete review of the American Academy of Pediatrics guidelines for primary care treatment of adolescent depression. They completely distorted the evidence base in order to create antidepressant drugs as a frontline treatment for depression and anxiety. I know the evidence base because I've gone through it for over a decade now. I know it like the back of my hand. They cherry pick studies. They took studies that overestimated uh, the value of the drug and underestimated the risk. And that is what they're communicating to the doctor. So the doctors are getting faulty information. They're acting upon that premise. And yes, many just blindly assume that the FDA approval means safety and efficacy. Doc, go back to... Uh 
the drug study you just referenced earlier, you said sixfold increase in suicide. Did I am I saying that correctly? That's suicide what was, uh, thoughts. Suicide right? yes. thoughts. Sorry. Okay. I, I look at that and I go, how would that be? First of all, if that's even in the uh, you know, call it the little packet that's that's in your your little prescription bag that you pick up in there, would that be listed as a side effect? Or they listed it as all like like my mind is blown as a parent that I'm going, that's not a side effect. Suicidal thoughts increasing sixfold seems to be a direct effect. Like how, how do they market this? How do they do this? It's, it's a direct effect. And I'll, I'll tell you the, the marketing scam. But first, remember, there's already a black box warning for the, from the FDA for any SSRI for the treatment of anyone under the age of 25. So when um, they say it's a two to three times risk of a suicide event compared to placebo. So there's already the warning, okay? And when you come, when you get a drug like Lexapro and you see there's a six-fold increase, we know in the field that there's a much there's a much greater increase than just double risk because I see it with clients, I've seen it with patients, and it's not just suicide. So it, it's like violence towards self or others. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see kids start cutting themselves who never cut themselves before. We'll see kids start becoming horribly hopeless when they were just experiencing a normal life transition. So you're, you're making kids worse. Now, how do they sell it? They sell it by creating depression as a disease that has severe consequences and they scare parents. They say that uh, untreated depression can lead to this suicide, um, chronic health problems, drug abuse, poor grades. If you don't do something about it, you are, uh, you're negligent, yeah. right? So they scare parents. How would you feel no if your kid killed himself because you didn't do this? I mean, right. That's like, exactly. the, that's the extreme fear. Yeah, but, but, but Ben, what about how do you feel if you're one of those people that the kid does either self harm and, but no, ends this, their is, life but and this is how deep the lie has gone in our brains, right? Like, like you say that, right. And you yeah. say how you feel, but this is, I could do this discussion with so many things. I could do the same discussion with vaccinations, for example, but here's the point. They go, they go, no, but cause it's caught under this auspices of, we did all we could, right? Hey, we know it was tough. It's not an easy decision, but we did all that we could, but right, that's right. the bullshit. We didn't do all that we could sitting down with somebody, run them through a questionnaire in a few minutes, putting them on a dope that has crappy science that messes up their brain, that causes imbalances, yeah. if you want to use that term. And we say, oh, but we did all we could. And if all that's what you're told, and by the way, when you're a Dr. McFillin or any of these other guys that want to stand up and gals that want to speak truth, you're told you're a quack. You're told that you're going to lose your license. You're told you're crazy. Right. You're told you're a kid cater. You're told all these things, right? So it's very few that will do it. So if our own cognitive dissonance won't allow us to have that thought plus the drug sometimes kind of quote like change things i'll tell you we've been in practice about the same amount of time doc about 20 years and i Jill, you just have that feel right of just people in front of you and i've just what i i've never had patients that were cutting themselves 20 years ago i didn't have 14 year old girls coming to my office that i were didn't even know what that was a, cutting I didn't themselves. Know that was a thing when i was in school did you ben yeah, i mean no that was, and then know? i i never had just these things and like i even heard you say this before i went out i mean we're probably similar same age and i never had like people 
my friends, I mean, I was just looking back. They were, my kids, my friends didn't have anxiety. We didn't call it that, right? We didn't have depression. We were like bummed out or pissed off or or stressed out or shy. So ben, here's Those the, have all become medical labels they have. that are called a disease that are told if you don't take the drug, you're a bad parent. Matter of fact, not only a bad parent, we might even call CCPS on you. We might even call Child Protective Services because you're such a horrible person. But let's come back to sobriety here for a second, Ben, on, on this. I'm, I'm 100% with you. And Doc, I want you to address this as well. The average person that goes to a psychiatrist, okay, will tell you, I mean, you ask them, what was your experience like to a psychiatrist? And they're going to say something like, spent about three or four minutes, you know, told my story. And then here's the prescription for, you know, the instant relief. Here's my prescription for the SSRI, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I look at that and I go, compare with what he said earlier. Compare with what what Dr. Rogers said earlier about this idea that the average person is going to have here and there those two-week you know, whatever. Where is that conversation? Where is the psychiatrist saying to these people, they're listen, not. life is hard sometimes, right? They're, I know they're not. And so, that's the crazy thing. So this thing. is why I have people like Roger on. I say, I'm stop. It's like, I'm going to stop asking them to do something they're not even trying to do. The medical model is broken. It's a sinking ship and it needs to sink because it's hurting and killing people. It's the third leading cause of death right now in the United States of America. We'd be healthier. Yeah. I remember an old statement. It says, uh, if we threw all the drugs in the ocean right now, the fish will get sick and the people will get healthier. All right, so stop asking them to do something they're not even trying to well, do then, anymore. Then as a Don't contrast. go to the psychiatrist. Don't go. As like, a This contrast, is where we have though. to like grow up and stop blaming and go, hey, I might, I, I, what am I doing here, right? If you listen to Dr. Roger, if you want a different way, then you got to, what's the old definition of insanity, right? Do the same thing same over thing and over again. Again. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we need like, it's, I'm sorry it sucks so bad. So, so let me tell the listener here. I was just, the other day, Ben, I'm in your clinic. Okay. Cause I think this is just such a good, and I, I assume I, doc, without even knowing you, I'm sure this is the way that you run your practice as well. I just think about going to your clinic. I've had some shoulder issues. I right, walk in there the other day, you know, Ben, I need a hug. I need you to fix me and figure it out. I walk into your clinic. And it just feels like you ever you ever walk into a place that like feels like home or just feels like, man, you're just surrounded by good people that mm. that man, I could sit here for an hour and just feel better about yeah. myself. Like environment matters. Sure. I want somebody to answer the question. When was the last time they went to a psychiatrist, et cetera, et cetera? I'm not saying there aren't out there, but I haven't met one. And yeah. and, and to me, that's the difference. And I go, what would it look like if we could change that model and you know show people? And, and so if a listener's out there going, Well, I've never met to that, but then you're not looking hard enough. Because those places are out there, right? And it's who we surround ourselves with. All of these things are a factor for sure. But I guess, you know, the three or four minutes and telling your story. Yeah. First of all, if somebody can prescribe something, and, and I don't feel like, Doc, you tell me, am I being hyperbolic when I say three or four minute, you tell your story to the average whatever, and you get the pills? I mean, am I, am I, am I over-exaggerating on that one, or has that been what you're hearing as well? Yeah, and unfortunately, there's nothing that goes longer than 15 minutes. I have a story on this one I, mm. a couple of years ago, and this was during COVID. I had this precocious 14-year-old girl in, in therapy whose parents were going through a horrific divorce, and she was doing everything she can to provoke attention for herself. And she told me in, in session that she was going to tell her psychiatrist, she was going to act out that she was obsessive-compulsive disorder. She was going to just act it out. And she did. And then uh, the next time I see her, she said she got a, a prescription for a off-label drug, never tested on kids, given to adults that they told the parents that would be able to address her OCD. I called up the doctor and I said, you got played. You know, don't prescribe drugs to my patients without talking to me. Hmm. This girl has no history of obsessive compulsive disorder. She completely 
made it up. The doctor's ego was oh. so big that she couldn't even begin to fathom that somebody could lie to her, right? And she tried to really make up these excuses that it wasn't just this appointment, that she's seen it over time and she believes this kid will not just address the OCD, it's also going to uh, address other anxiety. Like a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I've just discovered was that they've been given freedom to say whatever the f they want to mm -hmm. say, mm -hmm. whether it's, it's grounded in any type of science or any type of ethics, they always have to have the right answer. And that's part of a personality problem in our medical model. Mm -hmm. And that is a type of power we've given the expert culture is they feel like they have to have an answer. And, you know, I've called out a lot of primary care doctors who are kind of just gatekeepers here. You know, they're, they're the first line of defense and often they're referring to specialists, which is another problem in our system. So many specialists, it's like you're, you're working on a car, but you only specialize in the brakes and you don't have no understand how everything works together in the body. And so you'll have like one specialist, see one thing, prescribe one drug, another specialist, the gastro is going to believe it's this. And you have these multiple counterindicating potential drugs being provided at one time. And it's an absolute mess. But that's part of like this expert culture, mental health as well. You see these experts paraded on major American television and news. And it's just, I think it struck the fear of God in most parents that they're, that we've lost common sense, right? They're like, they're so fearful of doing the wrong thing that they give their kids pharmaceuticals. They take away their own authority in the home. They, um, they give them phones at age six, you know, it's just like we do a lot of insane things yeah. in American culture that's going to create worse health and worse mental health outcomes. And then we think some pills we label, Yeah, it. we label that disease. So let me ask you this, Doc, because I want to kind of get, I want to say some specifics, but so the, the big ones that I probably see on a daily basis, just because they come in, right? And again, the same thing I would say, used to be fairly rare. I'd see somebody on these medications. Now, without exaggeration, it's probably half the people that walk through my door. They're on, they're on one of these medications. So it's depression, anxiety, and then usually some sort of ADD, ADHD diagnosis. And a lot of adults now are telling me they, they quote, have this and it lose, I lose, I just, I just lose my mind. Sometimes I just start, my yeah. blood starts boiling, not mad at them because they've been lied to. And yeah. just like you did with that doc, when you called that doc. So when you hear these things like depression, anxiety, ADD, ADHD, I know you got, you got yourself in some hot water the other, not too long ago. I think the, the quote was something like ADD. You know, ADHD doesn't exist, right? It does. It's not. You know, it's not a thing. And then that one got a bunch of people upset, right? Uh, but 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 you don't say those yeah. things frivolously. You don't say those things without data. You you actually, no. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I say the same thing. It's yeah. like when when people come in, they're like, "Oh, I've got quote fibromyalgia." I like it's the same mentality for me. I'm like, "Oh, I I know you hurt, but please." If you accept that label and that lie into your life and you begin to identify as I have fibromyalgia, it's like you're speaking a spell over yourself. It's crazy. So to those three, you know, categories, and I know we don't yeah. have enough time to do the real dive on this, but so many people, I wasn't feeling very good. I went in, they said I'm depressed. I sounded like I was, they gave me some drugs. I took it. I kind of felt better, kind of didn't. I don't know, but I've been on them for a year now. Been on them for five years. I'm gonna get pregnant. I don't want to be on those. I tried to get off. It feels like I've got lightning bolts in my head. My I can't sleep. I'm depressed. It's worse than ever. This sucks. Why didn't they tell me? They go, you know, right? So will you do what you can with the time that we have here to kind of help a person walk through that? That's that typical. 
I got some anxiety, I think, or I was told I did. I got some depression. I was put on Lexapro. I was put on this. What do we do? And I'm not asking a doctor over the airwaves, but just give us some wisdom on this. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been on Ali Beth Stuckey's Relatable podcast a right. couple of times. And uh, one time I, I, I said, there's no such thing as a chemical imbalance. Yeah, that's a fact. Facts, yeah. right? And then this previous time I said, there's no such thing as ADHD. By the way, when you say facts, Another doc, fact. can I let them know? Like I'm talking, this is uh, one of the biggest studies just came out about this, a uh, meta-analysis, like literally, like that's not debatable, yeah. even a, even in the psychiatrist world. Now there's still some hanging on to it, like you no. said, but you're not like yes. saying that in some weird metaphorical, it's like brain yeah. studies on serotonin. Okay. Like get it yeah. through your head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so when it comes to depression, there's no deficiencies in serotonin. It was a marketing lie. Right. They had they created a drug that they could try to increase serotonin. And the only way that they can sell that drug is if they are able to sell the idea that there's a deficiency. No science to support it. Meta-analysis over decades. No reasonable science-based ethical physician or psychologist will communicate that nonsense. Same thing when it comes to ADHD. There's no biological basis to support the idea that ADHD exists. ADHD is a social construction. Yeah. It was developed in 1980. It's a constellation of symptoms to try to identify uh, a group. It was mostly boys to start who were behavior problems in school. And it was a very, very small percentage. It was a rule out. And it has caused indelible harm in American culture over 40, 50 years at this point. Because there's some certain things that are really critically important that are someone might struggle to with attention or focus that that exists and there are and there's a bell-shaped curve with everybody so hyperactivity exists the use of adhd as a label is provides no explanatory value as a as a psychologist that means nothing to me yeah. think about all the reasons why someone might have be, a kid may have behavioral problems right. it, it could be abuse neglect nutrient deficiencies poor health um economic backgrounds yeah. um i Sleep. mean so many yeah, different yeah, right, yeah, things right. Sleep, sleep is a big one. Another unexplained illness. They could be, they could be living on screens, right? So our our brains have are designed to adapt to the most novel and relevant stimuli. So that's why if you give young people access to phones and video games and screens at a young age, their brain is actually adapting to that, right? So they can focus for a really long time on playing video games, and then you place them in another environment where, um. The stimuli is 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 boring, or like a classroom, and it's very difficult to to sit down in a chair and stay focused on math or science when you're getting this constant rush and the stimulation of problem solving and focus that video games do. Our phones are addictive; they're created to be addictive. So we have an entire generations of people getting hooked on their phones and social media and instant access to something that's going to grab your brain and then you put yourself in an, in another environment and they can't read a book for a for a couple pages and you want to say well it's because i have adhd yeah. it's all a lie and so it's enough to just sell you a stimulant which is big business and you can sit at home and you can put on your television you can watch they'll have commercials like hymns where you know you want to take mm -hmm. care of your mental health you want to take care of your erectile dysfunction you want to take care of your focus here anonymously, you'll be able to work with a doctor. We'll send these pills right it's to crazy. your home. It should be it's a, a scam it's to so sell pills. Yeah, it, it should it should be criminal. And so, I, there's got to be some return to 
common sense, doc. I mean, everyone's health is deteriorating. Our mental health is deteriorating and no one's addressing the legitimate causes around it. They're just doubling down on this idea, this fantasy of some quick fix, which is just going to exacerbate the problems. When you, I, I heard you say one time, and I, if, I mean, I'm just paraphrasing it from memory, but like, I, I want you to speak to this again, because I think for so many of us, this is the reality. And I'm just going to say it the way I remember, you know, we're in this fast paced culture, crazy work, eating crap around, you know, on TV, social media, stressed out, burning the candle at both ends. And then we call that depressed or anxious, right? And then, and yeah, yeah we and we you, you know we think a pill is going to fix it. I know you're kind of alluding to this, but as you're listening to this, if you are f- struggling, you think, no, man, I feel like I'm literally anxious. I have anxiety, or I feel like I have depression, whatever, or or something like that. Here's the point: take take for as a, as a, as an exercise, take out the pill as a quote solution, and then ask yourself mm. everything else that it could be. Right. And you might not like some of those answers. They may cause some changes in your life. You may have built up some habits and addiction, and they may even have been on in on, you know, on, not on purpose. Right. Kind of just you didn't realize it. Almost unintended consequences. I was one. Somebody told me one time, like if, if you were somebody's making you food and they sprinkled, I don't know, some drug on it and you didn't know they sprinkled the drug on it and they fed it to you every day. Eventually, you become addicted. You didn't even mean to, right? But like you said earlier, the physiology that your body's going to adapt. Like sugar. Yeah, good example. So can you encourage some of our listeners that maybe think, because here's the reason I struggle too. You give the medical, the allopathic model an inch, they take a mile. They'll take your life, right? So I don't give them an inch. I don't get off in this whole like, well, you know, sometimes some people, you never know, it might help them because everybody thinks that's them. Everybody thinks that's them. Right? They're like, oh, that's me. I've got the real one. So how do you... You encourage people, those lifestyle things that we talked about and and therapy with maybe a person like you and things like that, um, those can quote, and I'm using air quotes here myself, those can cure it. And I, and I use air quotes just because I think the body isn't always designed to heal mechanism, right? We're going to go through these natural things. So you still might have to, a bad run again, you know, mom dies, this kind of stuff. But those those lifestyle things, those environment things that we put our bodies in, that is the problem, and you have to address that. And if you don't, then you're just living in fantasy land, like you said. Yeah, I mean, it's like when I say ADHD has no explanatory value, neither does the label of I'm depressed or I'm anxious, mm. right? So we don't know if you are anxious because you have legitimate problems that you have to face in your life and you're avoiding them. Yeah. We also don't know if you're anxious because of the food that you're eating and the lifestyle you're living. We are becoming less connected to each other like we are social beings the sun is healing right the first thing i do when i get out of bed is i head right outside i ground myself in nature and i go for a walk get those rays in my eyes it regulates the circadian rhythms just the movement in the sun tends to depress um, the amygdala which is an anxiety and emotionally uh, activating aspect of our brain now compare that to like rushing out of bed eating some sugar real fast, having to run to the office. You're not getting any sunlight. You're right on your computer. You're dealing with stress. So our emotional experiences are valid and people not feeling well. We're not denying that people don't feel well, but are you going to solve the problems or are you just going to try to drug the symptoms? I'm more interested in solving people's problems. If you're depressed, there's a reason you're depressed. Mm. And let's make sure that we are targeting it from multiple avenues. Let's see how you're coping. Let's examine your life. 
if you're if you're depressed, it is a good indicator that changes need to occur. And some of those have to be sometimes around your your lifestyle. I'm not denying the yeah. biological bases of our emotional states. They exist. It's just the manner in which that we treat them in the United States allopathic medical system might provide some short-term benefit, but I guarantee you it's going to exacerbate the problems in the long run. And that is the scam. They're creating customers for life. The pharmaceutical industry is the most lucrative criminal organization in the history of the world. And they are beholden to their shareholders. They are not beholden to your health. A healthy patient is a customer lost, folks. So they're going to benefit from our own sickness. And I think it actually becomes an issue of freedom. Mm. You know, the, the sicker we are, the more dependent we become on that authority because we need them to save us. We need their drug. Mm. We need their ideas. We're no longer able to think for ourselves or act for ourselves. It seems like right around the corner, we're going to be facing yeah. more potential COVID restrictions, right? This is a way that they creep into the private lives of an individual and take away our freedom. And if, if you have low testosterone hmm. and you can't think critically and you're not courageous and you're not healthy, you're not going to be able to protect anybody. You're not going to be able to stand up against the government authority. And you are going to be like other countries at other points in history. And unfortunately, that's an authoritarian state controls the masses when you don't have the willingness to fight for your own life. And we have, to, okay. we have to ask ourselves a lot of difficult questions. Yeah. And I think as, as you know, as we wind down, I'm just thinking to myself, you know, if you're a parent or yourself and you're listening to this and I'll say it and then you can correct me if it's not what you want me to say here, but, or, you know, what you, how you'd say it differently. If you're, if you're listening to this and you are, and we just kind of hit some of the big three today, I really encourage you to get on Doc's podcasts and listen to him so you can vet out and you can just go through some of this and because if you've been brainwashed for 30, 40 years, you're going to need more than this one episode to unpack all of it, right? You're just gonna, you're going to need to hear him. You're going to need to see some science. You're going to need to hear some stories. You're going to need to hear him, you know, debate a psychiatrist on there. You're going to need, you're going to need to hear, you need to some, hear some patients. You're going to need to hear this kind of stuff. So this is a primer to some degree. However, um, if you are listening to this and you are saying to yourself, I don't want the medication route. I don't want that for my kids and I don't want that for myself. I want you to know there are solutions for you outside of pharma and traditional allopathic medicine. There are. I will say that. I will guarantee that. And the reason I say that is because I've seen too much like you have. I've not seen it work long term. I've seen I've seen it hurt people long term. So you need now it might be a journey and there's not a million Dr. McM you know McFillins out there and I get it right and it's my insurance doesn't pay all those are true and I get it. Whatever. But I want you to know, so you don't have the excuse to say, well, I, I didn't know there was another way, or I didn't want to put my kid on ADHD medication, but the school told me to, or I had to. No, you don't. Don't give that agency away. Don't hand a diagnosis. Do not. Somebody else does not get to tell you that you're depressed. Somebody else does not get to tell you that your kid is damaged goods. No, sir. No, ma'am. So... Again, now you might have to do some digging. This is just day one, right? You're going to have to go, wow, that's kind of, I didn't know this. And there's guys like Dr. McMillan failing out there that are doing this. Okay, great, great, great. So dive in. You'll meet people through his, you know, you'll meet other people. You'll meet other names. You'll find some practitioners. You'll find some, a lot of it is self-care. I mean, you're, you're, it's funny. Some of the stuff you say on there, you're like, um, hey, a lot of you don't need therapy, you know, coming from a guy that does it for a living, right? You know, it's, you know, yeah. you're a little bit funny in that. So I want to give you final word, Doc. Uh, we've really appreciated your time. 
Uh, I know you've got the Substack. I know you've got your podcast. Um, I assume you don't do virtual, right? Everybody, because I know I'm sure you get a million of those calls. Is it you kind of have your local area that you take care of people? Because I know that people ask that a lot. I don't want to overwhelm you with that, but. No, I actually do a little bit. Do some limited consultation work okay. um, around the country. Okay. Just because there are some like real dire situations gotcha. out there that people need some okay. need some help. Um, but again, yeah, it's challenging for me to like I get some overwhelming re- requests and yeah. I pick and choose who I can jump on a, a call with. So okay. Yeah. F- uh, you know, final word here yeah. is that I, I I don't think a lot of this stuff is probably new to your listening audience because you're you're bringing the same information. Yeah. Um. The, the truth of the matter is, is we're getting sicker and sicker and doing the same thing over and over again. And I think we're losing generations and I'm really concerned about the future of our country. We are seeing spikes in multiple, what we call polypharmacy, multiple psychiatric mood and mind altering drugs for our most vulnerable of populations based on normal developmental challenges that exist. Life is, is not easy. And we're certainly living in difficult times. I just ask for a return to common sense. Mm. There is no such thing as a, as a, as a quick fix. Don't believe drugs are healthcare. They are not healthcare. And we have to restore sanity in our culture. We have to do some simple things. We have to be able to take the phone away from our kids and detach from it ourselves. We have to move our bodies more. We have to engage socially more. We have to be critical thinkers. The reason I'm here on this podcast and the reason I'm in this position right now, having conversations with people around the globe is because of my willingness to ask difficult questions and to think critically. I understand that it's not easy to stand outside what is conventional, especially if you're a medical professional out there. Medical professionals, you have difficult work. You put yourself in debt. And I understand the challenges of having to follow guidelines. And if you step outside the guidelines, your your own license could be at risk. But this is where we need courageous people. You know, ethics always trumps law. And you may, you took an ethical oath to first do no harm. And so it is up to you to be able to challenge those guidelines within your field and to start, start making decisions that are going to be in the best interest of people's long-term health. And I ask all the people out there to be, uh, to be able to be prepared for civil disobedience in a lot of different areas. If, if a school wants to push a drug on your kid, or if our government is going to start pushing, you know, lockdowns yeah, or yeah. mask mandates or measures that are outside any bounds of evidence, vaccine mandates, then we as a people have to come together. They've divided us. Yeah. They've divided us in with with social media between the right and the left with issues that they're never going to take care of, right? And it is up to us to be able to understand what is happening on a global level right now. We're in dangerous times. And so when I talk about my field, it's still supported for me about individual freedom and rights. Yeah. That you have the right to the information about any medical information intervention about the risks, potential benefits and alternatives. And if we don't demand it, we're not going to get it. We just live in dangerous times. 
Hey, man, Doc. Well, man, I know we've never met, but uh, I feel uh, I'm just in great appreciation for you, and I wish you nothing but the best and the patience that you take care of. I hope that your bravery um, helps your profession, right? And and people, you know, sometimes it's that, remember that old video that one guy starts dancing at like a concert, right? And then he's the goofy guy. And then pretty soon there's a bunch of other people dancing with him. Sometimes I feel like we got to be those first people to just say, hey, something's not right here, right? Canary in the coal mine a little bit and just, and then, and then other people start to wake up to it. And so I know you're on the tip of the spear of that, especially in a profession that's largely been taken over by pharma and, and just people feel hopeless. So just God bless your work, uh, your podcast, the things that you're doing. Stay in touch. We'll talk soon. Take care. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to support the show, give us a five-star review and share it with your tribe. To learn more about Dr. Ben's work, visit achievewellness.clinic.